0: Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI & You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Presse, and Cora Media. In AI & You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives, from social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: It was second day, it was February 25. I evacuated by unaccessible trains and people helped me, people carried me and uh, now it's like a dream and I can't imagine even that we was able to flee and that we go through all this long way because it took like 10 days from Kamenske to Copenhagen. It was a long way and many, many trains, many cities, and a lot of people on our way who helped us.
0: This is Tatyana Herasimova, Tanya for short. She is one of the 2.7 million Ukrainians with disabilities. Although, that's an old number. Ever since Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, we don't have statistics on how many disabled people live in Ukraine today. It wouldn't be surprising if the number is higher today. For a long time prior to the 2022 Russian invasion, people with disabilities were invisible in Ukraine. This is partly due to the post-colonial legacy of the Soviet Union, which confined anyone who was considered different to the four walls of their apartment. Once the war started, people with disabilities suffered tremendously. Amid the panic and chaos that followed the invasion, many were unable to evacuate from their homes. This left people trapped in the crossfire without access to bomb shelters. Tanya is one of those who managed to flee, Ever since, she's been helping fellow Ukrainians with disabilities stuck near the front lines of the war in Ukraine. This is Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. My name is Julie Simond. In today's episode, I'll bring you on a journey to Ukraine to talk about disability in times of war. It's been 14 months since Tanya left Ukraine. She and her mom arrived in Denmark on the 7th of March, 2022 and have been living there for over a year. But to this day, living as a refugee is an emotional rollercoaster for Tanya.
1: It's like riding on a carousel. It's hard because uh, I'm not an immigrant. I never choose to flee my country. I was forced to flee and it's hard to try to build your life again from nothing it's hard to try to manage all things when you don't know language it's totally different mentality from ukrainian sometimes i feel this support of people and uh, It's so nice and I appreciate it. But sometimes it's become so hard that I'm thinking, no, I I want just to go home as soon as possible, just somewhere. But I want to step up on the Ukrainian land. We're going to begin with ominous warnings from the Biden administration that Russia has the
0: troops in place to possibly invade Ukraine at any time. Tanya's journey to Denmark has been a challenge, to say the least. She's from Kamianska in eastern Ukraine. Tanya's home city is about a four-hour drive away from the Russian border. So when she heard reports of an imminent Russian attack, Tanya asked the city's administration if Kamyanska had any accessible bomb shelters. The answer was negative and shocking. Tanya's hometown, a city of more than 200,000 residents, did not have a single wheelchair-friendly bomb shelter.
1: I received this um paper from states that we have any accessible bomb shelters and wish you good luck, you know, like it was like a bad joke for me. So when the full-scale invasion
0: began, Tanya had no choice but to flee her home. Luckily, on the second day of the Russian invasion, she and her mom managed to get to a train station. By the time they got there, it was extremely crowded. At the time, Trains were the main mode of transport for those attempting to flee Ukraine.
1: We got a ticket because I understood that we should have a ticket. We didn't know that it will be free and uh, all people can go into train. Without ticket, we would be not able to go because the door in a train was just closed we screaming and all people on the train station they screaming that here are people with tickets and we was able to go inside because it was already uh, the panic starts and uh, people becoming angry and uh, Stewards in train, they trying to protect themselves also, and they didn't want to allow a lot of people, older people, to go inside. People uh, riding by standing, and uh, it was like four or five people on one bed in a train. But also, you know, I remember a lot of luggage, a huge luggage, like uh, enormous. And I was so angry because all this luggage, it could be people, it could be someone's lives. The train took Tanya
0: and her mom all the way from Kamianske to Lviv, the biggest city in Western Ukraine, only an hour away from the Polish border. Yet, when the family reached the border, they saw a 20-kilometer-long line of people waiting to cross into Poland on foot. There were mainly mothers with their children the queue barely moved. A mix of panic and exhaustion on every face.
1: We didn't understand what's happened because it was too long way to border. We found some men, and I really will remember all my life this man who allowed us to go to this uh, bus. And we spent night in this bus and uh, during all the night, we moved only for 500 meters and uh, we decided morning that we should go. My, My mom was shocked that 20 kilometers, it's not possible for her to walk. But thanks God, it was some miracle because one man, he was civilian and he agreed to try to bring us to the border. And um, yeah, we reached the border and border also wasn't accessible. It's a problem because even there, I had no possibility to receive help. And uh, I was needed to go up the stairs and then to go down. And uh, people who helped me was one woman with her young son. He is 16 years old, I think. Once Tanya arrived
0: safely in Denmark, she got back to work. She's the director of Fight for Right, a Ukrainian NGO which advocates for the rights of people with disabilities. Tanya is busy coordinating with her team, which is now displaced across different countries. Some colleagues, as well as volunteers, are still in Ukraine and doing crucial work in unsafe areas. The NGO has managed to overcome the many challenges that the Russian war has brought. They've worked despite electricity cuts, carpet bombings, and the uncertainty that the invasion has brought. Together, the team has evacuated more than 3,000 disabled Ukrainians from the front lines, often risking and even losing their lives in the process.
1: now we step by step trying to back our previous work so we providing more consultation for people who get disability during the war for example and need some help with documents another help and we providing psychological support because now it's really uh, needed help and uh, legal support and um, also, it's some humanitarian support, especially with assistive technologies for people with disabilities. It's not providing from states now and it's a big issue. So we're trying to help people this way. Also, it's advocacy work and our main focus in advocacy now is the in Ukraine. As Tanya explains. There are different
0: areas in which an NGO on disability rights works in times of war. First, the team provides consultations to people with disabilities. There is a mental health support line, and people can also get help to replace their equipment, like a wheelchair, for example, if it gets damaged or destroyed. There is also advocacy work, which includes working with other NGOs and communicating with the Ukrainian government about the needs of people with disabilities. Finally, there are evacuations from war zones, where volunteers drive to dangerous areas and help disabled individuals get to a safer place. Today, the Ukrainian army evacuates civilians, so there's less of a need for NGOs to get involved. But in the early months of the war, nobody was evacuating civilians, and many disabled people were
1: stuck at home,
0: unable to leave the front lines. Last
1: week, we had um, evacuation from Nikopol, our team evacuated people under the rockets under the shelling it was uh, it was really dangerous but we are happy every time when people say to us yes we are ready to go but at the same time it could be too late because it's too dangerous for people. And it's also should be, we always say, that it's responsibility of both sides. And it's become too dangerous for all people and for our volunteer and for those people who stay in there.
0: Evacuations are dangerous. Some volunteers were killed when they were trying to move people out of the Donetsk area, where the fighting is heaviest. And some people are too afraid to leave even though it's very dangerous for them to stay.
1: We had a case when one woman, we evacuated by ambulance, and she told us, I will go only with my TV. And we was like, no, we can't. We don't have space. And she said, like, it's my treasure. It's the most expensive thing in my life and I can imagine that it is and maybe she worked hard for years to earn money for this TV and uh, of course we evacuated her with this TV uh, because I know how it's hard to leave everything behind. In total,
0: more than 17,000 people received some form of help from the NGO and another thousand are waiting for aid at the moment.
1: One of the biggest focus is um, the institutionalization and people in closed institution who have no any access to help, to support and nobody evacuated them. And we don't know exactly who and how and where evacuate these people. And we don't know exact uh, number of war crimes against people with disabilities, because we know that a lot of closed institutions was attacked by Russians. And uh, it's our Main topic and uh, also about disability inclusive recovery, rebuilding of Ukraine, and we trying to mainstream disability through all the topics. Грої чи нечастні.
0: Tanya is focused on establishing dialogue with the Ukrainian government. For a long time, disability rights have not been a priority in the country. Often overlooked, disabled individuals were discriminated against and were forced to defend their rights. Inclusion has only recently become a topic in Ukrainian national politics, and the country still has a long way to go.
1: In 2021, First Lady initiated the barrier free strategy, which was developed and we was involved in the development process. And thanks to that. Now we have this conversation, at least with government, and we speaking about people with disabilities, and we're trying to make this conversation more fruitful and to go from the conversation to some actions. It's much harder when this it's a situation of war to be trying to go and to speak with government, with states that people with disabilities actually also dying, and they also have to be included. And we still don't have a statistic about people with disabilities. So oh, we have this conversation, but I can say that it's better than before the war, because it's not.
0: Right now, the Ukrainian government is working on a reconstruction strategy. The aim is to create a plan to rebuild what was destroyed or damaged during the Russian war in Ukraine. This is an opportunity to fight for the rights of people with disabilities. There is room to make the reconstruction of Ukraine inclusive for all and to consider everyone living in the country, not just able-bodied residents.
1: Even as the war rages on, some Ukrainian communities are starting to rebuild. This includes Bucha, the town outside the capital of Kiev.
0: So, Tanya and her team are monitoring the Ukrainian government's progress and providing them with insights into what an inclusive society could look like after conflict.
1: We have our National Disability Rights Defenders Network, and it's connected to advocacy work. Uh, We teach people uh, from our community advocacy and how to protect own rights. And we work together, for example, on recovery we involving people in this process because we are sure that it's no possible uh, rebuilding of Ukraine without of people with disabilities. because we all of us, we talking all the time about new Ukraine, about better Ukraine, but it will never be better if different groups will not involved in this process. Tanya
0: herself dreams of a better Ukraine, where discrimination is a thing of the past and where people like her can enjoy their full rights. She remembers her own struggle. As a young woman, she graduated with a degree in finance, but couldn't get a job in her city because of her wheelchair. It was only years later that she participated in a leadership
1: school for women with disabilities, a program that opened doors for her. I was 29 when I got my first official job. I had some freelance projects in IT, but I never had official job. And for me, it was a biggest trauma because I studied so hard. And after I received education, and I really love finance, I was in love with this profession. And I was so disappointed that I can't find job because it's not accessible. And it was like moment when i was able to walk and after i'm sitting in wheelchair and i can see that it's no space for me in in my city it's no space for me where to work it was 2015 And remote work, it wasn't so popular. It was hard. And all the company, even if they agree that, okay, we can have remote employer, but anyway, you should come once a week for staff meeting or something like that. And it wasn't possible for me.
0: Tanya doesn't want other Ukrainians with disabilities to have to go through similar experiences. Still, it's the story of many. After spending time in Denmark, she noticed how inclusive infrastructure and mindsets benefit societies, and how people with disabilities are on the streets enjoying life and doing the things that able-bodied
1: individuals often take for granted. In Ukraine, I live on the fourth floor, and I can't freely go out when I want. And here, I can just, when I want, I can go out and go to any shop and buy anything I want. I can go out and, uh, I don't know, eat ice cream outside. I can do it in Ukraine. And of course, it will be uh, the hardest thing to return back to unaccessibility. Despite this,
0: Tanya cannot wait to return to Ukraine and rebuild her native country. While the road is not easy, and Ukraine, as well as many European countries, has a long way to go regarding accessibility and inclusivity, activists like Tanya continue on with their fight.
1: Because I'm Ukrainian, this is my land, and uh, it's not an option to just flee. We need to change, and nobody will make these changes without us. And I love my country, and my country give me everything my education and uh, yes it was hard but my country made me stronger i can see people who live in other condition and they had accessibility they had uh, access to job etc but still it's not my country and i want to have a place which i can call my home and i want that it place will be accessible for me, and its place will be in Ukraine.
0: Tanya's story teaches us how war widens the gap between people with disabilities and people without in societies that are not inclusive. She reminds us that people with disabilities need to be involved in peace and reconstruction processes. Until that time, Tanya's team at Fight for Right continues to support people with disabilities in Ukraine. Through a GoFundMe campaign, they raised half a million euros to continue with evacuations, helplines, and the other assistance they provide. However, they continue to face challenges. Many Ukrainians with disabilities live under Russian occupation, which makes it impossible to evacuate them or provide them with aid. There are also many Ukrainians who have recently become disabled as a result of war wounds. Rehabilitation and support for all disabled individuals will be a tremendous challenge for the Ukrainian state and society. But organizations and experts like Tanya and her team are already preparing. They want to make sure that disabled people are respected, protected, and represented at all times. We've reached the end of this week's episode of Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. This show is part of the Sfera Network project and is available on Europod, a network of podcasts exploring European cultures, politics, and societies. Anna Romandash from Ukraine is the scriptwriter of this episode. Maria Dios is our producer and editor. Our sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. My name is Julie Simond. Stay tuned for next week's episode where our producer will interview Anna to discuss how disability in times of war matters. Bye!